Hello, everybody. Welcome to our conversation with Randy Edelman, part two. I am joined by Justin, who was uh, with us for the first one, and I am honored to meet you, Randy. It's The guys did such a good job talking to you last time, and it was so much fun to listen back to. Well, thank you. It was fun to be there, and now I'm back again. <laughs> Yeah, you sure are. We you know, a lot of stuff's happened, right? We talked about uh, Ghostbusters two, the composition, the big press release that came out. That you were gonna talk yeah, well, about it. Yeah, bit, okay, but hold on, hold on. you keep talking yeah, about yeah. Ghostbusters. The comp what composition? It's Not, the score to the movie. Thank you. Sorry, it's a major score. Come on, <laughs> ninety minutes of music is That's not true. a composition. That's yeah, true. I got it right up here. Yeah. Anyway, no, yeah. So that is uh, a long story, years in the making, and now it's coming out uh, in. You know, sort of in a couple of weeks, CD and then the vinyl. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. You know, but that's a long story. You don't want to hear that whole story. I will hear whatever you want to hear. Want to hear <laughs> I am excited that the Ghostbusters 2 score is coming out. I want to pick that up on vinyl. Pick it up, baby. It's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a, yeah, it's um, uh, long in the making. They kept trying to do it. And uh, so that it's taken, a long time <laughs> for several <laughs> reasons, but yeah. and I, I've been listening to uh coming on the other side a lot. I've really enjoyed that very much. Your single, thank you, thank you. Very good. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well, that's that's sort of why we're I'm here. Yeah. So if you've been listening, that's good. You just got to yeah. play it. I have. Been. Are you going to play it? We Are can't. you going to play it to the audience? Yeah, we can. If, we can. That's what you okay. That's yeah, what we got we'll it. get right on that. You don't have to do it when I'm here, but you just oh. do it. <laughs> we should have to do a live performance, Randy. I didn't even think well, about I, it. I I can do it. You want me to do a live performance? Yeah, do you, would, you, would you like to? First of all, obviously, if you listen to the record, record, you know I can't do a live performance. However, I could do I a different it. interpretation. I listened to it. I did. You want okay. me to do it? If you want sure. to, for sure. You want me to do a little? Yeah. Okay. You've okay. So seriously, uh, Justin, you've you've listened to the. Uh, I have it up right now. I have it on, I have the YouTube version. I have the, I listen on Spotify and on YouTube. So whichever would helps you the okay. best. Okay. Well, they're yeah, but they're they're the same. They're the same. Yeah, it's the, mm -hmm. that version. What I'm going to play you now here live with the geeks is a totally different, same melody, same okay. words, but it's going to be a different thing. I'll tell you what. Play a little bit of the record now that you have on YouTube. Okay. Just a little bit of the feeling of it. Then I'm going to say stop in 10 seconds. <laughs> Just go ahead. Seriously. That's right. Can you, okay. can you do it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Come on. We're, we're winging it, but it's good. We're, we're, yeah, we are. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I have to share my screen to this thing. One sec. We'll do that. Yeah, Justin, why you do that? I'm doing that? this for a reason. It, we're just going to do... Okay, just for a second. Okay. Go. Give it a little volume, baby. Yeah, Justin, turn that up, man. Wait, come on. Come on, turn it on. Is it not up loud? Yeah, you started it already? Yeah, can you hear it? Okay, you so can you hear that? From your place. Yeah. You hear the feel of it. Okay. You've been okay. All right? Okay. So now we take that song written about this whole thing and we're gonna get out. But you hear the thing. It's kind of it's kind of fun. It's not like some sad thing. So now yeah. I'll play you a little bit of that song in the Randy Edelman old piano arpeggiated style. And you get a whole different feeling. Please, yeah. You ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Live here with the geeks. Two, not three, unless you count me. 
I'm that rhymes. Two, not three, unless you got me. Okay. So seriously, now here is the unplugged, one-time only version of coming out your other side, which is basically the real title is uh, "Grab Your Hat, Put Your Best Suit On." That's really the title of this song, but I called it "Coming Out the Other Side." Here we go. You got sound? We do. Yeah, we do. You wake up with a smile on your face. Cause today you can run from your place. You've been locked in your house all year long. But today you can sing a new song you've been pushed from your purpose in life you've been scared by the edge of a knife now it's time to fight back spread out time to see what this life's all about Take a good look all around you and let your heart be filled with pride. Grab your hat, put your best suit on. You're coming out the other side. There's a new Kind of spring in your step. You got a fresh attitude. You've got them. There's a new kind of smile on your face and a confidence that's your new face. So just take a good look all around you. Let your heart fill up with pride. Grab your hat and put your best suit on. You're coming out the other side. Grab your coat and take your belongings. You're coming out. The other side. First. Ow! That was a first. That was awesome. Thank you. Geeks. Great. So I wasn't the whole thing. But, but you got the idea, got and the of idea. course, it's a complete different kind of feeling. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's great. All right, you got it, baby. I mean, yeah. this is worth. I mean, you know, that's now worth a little. You got to. Uh, your royalties are in the mail. I no, get there's, there's I no, get and yeah. no royalties. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, that's right. awesome. Okay, so, uh, so you got a little. You know, took a little time, but. 
Yeah. You got a little extra there. Got a little, yeah. We very much appreciate it. So I, I, I didn't. I was remiss not to bring up one of my favorite childhood movies that you scored exactly. a long time ago. It was um, Drop Dead Fred. Do you have any stories about Drop Dead Fred? Because as a kid, Fred. that was one of my favorite. Okay. Do I have movies. a story about it or anything yeah. you want to tell me about? Uh, oh, it. I, 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 you want to really hear it? I do. I okay. do. Okay. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I've done lots of movies, and fortunately, this is not one of them that became a classic. It's a classic to you, and, yeah. and that's fine as yeah. long as one person loves it. And by the way, lots of people love that movie, but it was sort of an English movie because the guy who was the star of it, who unfortunately is no longer with us, I think, I didn't know who he was uh, when the when the movie when I was doing the movie. He was he had a TV show in England, very well known. Rick Mayall, I think, was the guy's yeah. name. If it, if I'm correct, I hope I was. Okay, you want to hear the story about Please? it? Yeah. Okay. Because I'll give you these stories that are really funny. Okay, here's a story behind it. So long story, blah, 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 blah. I started doing films many years after I was working as a musician doing a million things, writing songs, doing albums, da, 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 da. So now I'm in the, I get, you know, in the big time. I'm out here in Hollywood. I'm doing these big movies. Okay. So it's 19, whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. And it's Christmas time. Now, everything is different now. But it used to be, okay. So the big movie release date, if you wanted to have a movie come out and you did a movie, was Christmas Day. Now, Christmas Day always had huge blockbusters coming out on Christmas Day. And because the studios wanted to get their hot, artsy-fartsy pictures out, yeah. okay, the little ones that may have Oscar hopes, they would also, the big studios that had those big things that were sure winners for sures, they would release them on Christmas Day. Also, in order to get under the first of the year thing to get the movie out. Because if it didn't come out by January 1st, it couldn't be nominated for an Oscar that year. Okay, why am I telling you this? Okay, so now I'm, I think I'm a big shot. I'm, and I'm really like very euphoric because I had gotten into this whole film thing. And so this year comes up and it turns out I have two movies coming out on Christmas Day. Okay. One was like the big, big, big commercial movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger called Kindergarten Cop. Big, big Ivan Reitman picture, major. And the other was by the little, it wasn't artsy, the best director in the world. Uh, my, my favorite director has nothing to do with me working with him. Mm. Anytime he had a picture, my wife and I were at the theater the, that day or the next day. That's how great this guy was. He was an English director by the name of Alan Parker. What who was Alan Parker? Of course, you know who Alan Parker was. By the way, we lost him a few months ago, also. Um, and he had done 
like Mississippi, uh, Midnight Express, mm -hmm. Fame, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Mississippi Burning, Birdie. I mean, every picture was like different and phenomenal and no bullshit. I mean, straight, you know, just great emotion. No matter what he did, it was always a picture called Shoot the Moon. I mean, forget it. Okay, and he had written now the picture that he did before I met him and was hired to do uh, was Mississippi Burning, which was not only, you know, obviously a like, unbelievable movie and so in every way, uh, that was the picture got like eight Academy Award nominations. And so he wrote, he had a, uh, something that he wrote about the Japanese internment camps in California uh, in the uh, in the World War II, you know, where they took everybody off the street here, right here where I am, a few blocks away, and put them in these camps. Awful story, all true. Um, so Alan Parker wrote uh, a wonderful movie called Come See the Paradise, and only because he was so hot by that time could he get a picture like that made about that kind of subject sure. matter. You, you couldn't just be anybody and get a picture. And it was also not a little, I said a little, it wasn't a little movie at all. It was fantastically done. And uh, anyway, so that's the picture that I had done. Alan Parker had promised me uh, that when this picture was going to be in the competition in Cannes, which it was, that he was going to take me there. I thought oh, I was saying this. I ended up going to Cannes. Hey sitting next to, uh, you know, Michael Douglas and all these people. Uh, and when they showed Come See the Paradise in Cannes, the music down, you don't know the movie, do you? And you no. don't know my score. Now, you will know my score when you hear it because it became the most used music of any movie for trailers. And it's just, if you heard the music, you'd say, I know that, that's from The Rock or that's from... Well, it's gotcha. not. It's 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 from that. Anyway, the, the music became used all over the place i would have rather well I'm, I'm getting ahead in the story because there's a reason i'm telling you this okay so here's the deal i have not only the arnold schwarzenegger big huge picture but i just don't have a an art i have a like a film coming out that's a class thing uh that is done by the best director for my money in the world bar none so it's a little more than just a great art film it's an art film but big time yeah, yeah. you know okay so here's what is in my head oh by the way so we went can they showed the film i was sitting there at the end everybody gave a standing ovation the theme came up and i'm saying i'm at the oscars next year there's not any, not any fucking doubt about it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i'm gonna yeah. that's it i mean it's not even i'm here i heard the music the picture's phenomenal like the most moving thing you can imagine and you'll see when you see it if you go out and take the time to well get it you press it up and you get it um so that had happened so now i'm back here in town it's christmas pictures come out and i'm like ooh, i'm ready what am i ready for i'm ready for every fucking producer and studio to be calling me after the first of the year because I did these two diametrically opposed yeah. great pictures and they're going to come out 
and everybody's going to call me, right? Yeah. You know what I'm getting to. Okay. Yeah. And you know where I'm going a little. Yeah, a little bit. So now, okay, this is all true. And I, why would I tell you this about something? Because I, because you know it's going to be a great thing in the end. I mean, not great. So, but January 1st passes. And kindergarten comes out and is a huge hit. And Come See the Paradise comes out and gets all these great reviews only in a few theaters. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a good time to have a bashing America picture, which that was because it was about the internment camps. Wasn't a great time to have something like that out at the time. Mm -hmm. So January 1st comes and I'm sitting. Phone's not ringing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not only getting the phone's not ringing. <laughs> I'm not hearing from anybody about anything. I'm supposed to be like getting 20 offers the next day, right? Because just have my name on those pictures. Forget about if the music stinks. I got to be cool. You know, okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens. Nothing. One week goes by. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. And finally, I thought it was a joke. I thought someone was playing a joke on me. I get a call about a little movie. A sort of a children's movie made by a company I never, two companies I never heard of. The company that made the movie was called Working Title. It's like, <laughs> couldn't these yo-yos come up with a name? They had to put Working Title because we can't. Okay, now this is way back when, before Working Title was the greatest. Okay. And who's, whose film is it? Is it Warner's? Is it 20th? Is it Universe? It's a company called New Line that I also hadn't heard of. They were a rather new, I just, you know, hadn't been out there. Maybe I'd heard of them, but I was like, okay, they have no money. It's a children's thing. It's, it's done, produced by a company called Working Title and distributed by New Line. And here's the kicker. Who's the director? Oh, okay. They send over his name. His first name is Eight. A-T-E, like I ate a grape. <laughs> now I think, you know what? This is somebody who knows what I expected to happen and is playing a joke on me. And his name is Eight DeYoung. D-E, capital J-U-N-G. And he's a director, evidently, from Holland. He's a Dutch director directing a kid show about you know it's like this is not something i'm gonna give any time to or even call back mm -hmm. but since you know i was in the work mode and i wasn't doing anything <laughs> i called eight and i got to that's the story of drop dead fred that's and awesome. you know what turned out it turned out his name is Atta de Young. Brilliantly talented guy. I, He's one of the few guys I'm still, he's back in um, in uh, Amsterdam. But I remain friendly with him for, ye for cool. years. And I see him when I go to London. And he was a great guy. And it was a really fun experience. And they had no budget also. Mm. So I did, I did it. Uh, myself with like two or three people you know and it and because i i didn't really give a shit i did something i took 
some I took chances. Like if you hear the main title, the main title of that movie, it was just black. And they said they're going to do some funny animation. So I just went wild and wrote this like circus stuff. I would have never done that anyway. It was great. It turned out great. Um, the picture didn't do yeah. too much business or at all. However, in England, where the guy was well-known, it did. And now, very recently, I got a call to do the musical live oh, wow. in London on the West End of Drop Dead Fred, which I'm not going to do. You know, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to start concocting. But I did meet with them when I was there last time, right before the pandemic. Uh, but anyway, the point the reason I'm telling that story is I think it's maybe it isn't that funny now that I was anticipating something. And what came down the pipe when I was expecting Steven Spielberg to call me, you know, or or yeah. something else. Drop Dead Fred with Otta de Young. But it turned out to be a, a really fun, wonderful yeah. experience. And that is, and I'm glad you like it. And by the way, I've talked to other people recently. Uh, I don't mean to like single you out and say, you're not so special. No, it's all good. Exactly the same thing yeah. that you're saying. And uh, they, kids just, uh, I, it wasn't that much of a, it was a kid's movie, but it had some, Kind of sophisticated stuff in there. Yeah. You know? Well, it was the one movie I get my dad to watch with me a lot. I was like, shut up and like, watch some. No, yeah, yeah. no, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> and by the way, those stories and you saying that that means as much to me or more. Mm. Like, I love it when people would pick out a little gem, maybe or something, and say, and I I do get that. You mm. know, I did a lot of successful blockbuster kind of things and things that were. Uh, other things that were successful that weren't big blockbuster types. Yeah. But when yeah. I hear that, it always turns me on. Just yeah. the fact that you're sitting there and thinking of you and your dad sitting there and like listening over and over again to <laughs> watching Drop Dead Fred. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. for sure. That's I it. Know, that's it. Yeah. I know Drop Dead Fred's been making its rounds on streaming. And, uh, you know, British humor wasn't as popular in the US back then as it is now. So. Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't in any way, shape, or form. It was an American movie. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to be. And, Matt, and, that, and Matt, the backstory on that uh, was that that picture was supposed to be directed by a hot guy named Tim Burton. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Right. That's that was the first thing. How you get from Tim Burton to Otto de Young, I don't know. And <laughs> but Otto was great. But anyway, that was the backstory, which I didn't know at the time was that it had been developed you know and they very few movies actually now or back then actually get made they hang around they go through different changes and very few get a green light and so there's always backstories and if you know there's always the the first shot that somebody wants and they know the star they want and they know the director they want mm -hmm. and it rarely turns out uh that the movie is made that way so, and sometimes it does you know but Anyway, that's that story. So, so you brought up something interesting that I hadn't thought about until you brought it up. But the film festival you went to, do you get the opportunity to go to a lot of those? Have you been to thousands of them at this point? Like, have None. you been to a lot no. of them? Zero. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I never went. No, you never go. There's no reason to go. Uh, uh, and now, of course, it, yeah. The, no, uh, I'm trying to think. No, I think that's the only no. time I went. And by the way, the only reason I went was because uh was because the picture was made by 20th century fox 
at the time, Barry Diller was the head of Fox and a guy named Joe Roth was the head of the movie part. And guess what? Hmm. He didn't want to go. So my, a dear friend of mine who ran the production there, Roger Birnbaum, who I did a million, you'd know every, a million things mm. that he's produced. Um, they, they didn't want, they didn't go. So he got the two tickets, dumped his wife. And the next thing I know, we were on the plane staying at like the Hotel du Cop, which is this, I, I can't even describe it. So that's how I went. It's not like yeah. Alan Parker said, I'm going to have you there with me. And then he mm -hmm. asked me to go and pick up my, no, I got to go because of this odd situation, but it turned out, you know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. And I'm, I swear to God, I was sitting there, the film ended because it ends with this very, you know, these woman who's in the internment camp and she falls in love with a soldier. And then the war's over and they come back and there's a kid and they, needed to train the music swells it's like the you it's the the ending of all time it's just mm -hmm. what you want and now i'm sitting there and everybody's standing up and alan parker motions to me to stand up nobody knows who the fuck i yeah. was but and yeah i'm like at the uh it's just done it's a done deal <laughs> yeah. i'm at the oscars i'm at least at the oscars maybe i won't get it but i'm at the oscars yeah but yeah. i wasn't and those oscars the next year the craziest thing was I had done this little movie with a girl who had never been in anything. She wins the Oscar, Marissa Tomei, for My Cousin Vinny. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't. Yeah. I, when I did My Cousin Vinny, it was like, uh, no, I, I don't. I, there's <laughs> nothing. Nobody cared. Uh, nobody yeah. particular. It was obviously Joe Pesci was great and the movie was funny. But as far as it becoming like the classic that it's become, yeah. which is great, uh, no, there was not any. And then somebody winning an Oscar, you know, like who would win an Oscar? Was she great? Yes, she was phenomenal. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was just on the floor laughing. She also had a nice ass. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it helps. I got to ask you about one, and I do remember the score to this. And this is, I think, one of Eddie Murphy's most underrated movies of all time, which one is of, Distinguished Gentleman. My, uh, one I, of my faves. And thank you. It, that's one that is not mentioned uh and uh i now i had a blast why because the director who was another english director was jonathan lynn who had directed my cousin Vinny, and then because that picture was sort of hot 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 eddie murphy went to disney after he'd done all those pictures coming to america and beverly is cop and uh what was that other great one i can't think of um uh he was allowed to make a picture at disney but it was kind of like a big thing because he was basically always at paramount uh and uh so jonathan hot off this little picture my cousin Vinny, got the job and that's my connection and it was disney and it was distinguished gentleman and uh, you know I, I thought it was and I got to do a really interesting score because it was Washington and it was, it had different stuff. He was from, you know, down south or a tropical island. And I did all this Caribbean kind of stuff. And then I did some very kind of Washingtonian governmental kind of stuff. So I loved it. And, you know, the picture came out and it, it's, it's just, you know, uh, 
it did okay, but it didn't, it certainly, uh, you know, didn't do as well as they would have thought. And so sometimes these things, um, you know, then you don't get the same response as you do to something that is just out there. And so, but go, go ahead. Sorry. I interrupted you. You're so, fine. I, I want, I, I love the movie and I think more people need to get eyes on it. Cause for some reason, this movie still hasn't caught fire. Like this is one of Eddie Murphy's great films of the nineties. I don't care what anybody says. No, I loved it. It, I, I thought it was great. I thought he was great. I thought, I forgot, you know, I, I just thought it was a total, total, total winner. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, um, uh, and I had a blast. And, you know, these things for me, when you mention them, well, what's in, what do I, yeah, it depends who the director was. And there's a lot of the stuff surrounding the politics and the story and of how the movie was made. But for me, it's always like you mentioned a movie. All I go to is my score, the score to Drop Dead Fred, that funny kind of circus. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like original. The score to Distinguished Gentleman is a really big score, but fun and interesting and a lot of different kinds of uh, things. So that's my big, um, uh, you know, remembrance of it is always like, was I happy with what I did? And did it get by the, quote, powers that be when they mixed it? Did they use it the way each cue, the way it was supposed to be used? Did it, you know, did it the pacing, especially with a comedy? And in, and, and in that case, they did. And I thought it was great. And, um, yeah, and it, yeah, they're always surrounded. Then I remember I, uh, I went into Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Uh, for, I remember that picture came out and, uh, I was kind of disappointed in what happened. And then I went into that, another one that the music was all over the place over years and years and still is now and a different kind of thing. But uh, again, a kind of a little biopic that was not, was made in a kind of different way. And I, I wouldn't imagine it would have, even though it was about Bruce Lee, I wasn't really a Bruce Lee aficionado and I wasn't, aware of his story and all that kind of stuff so i just i always remember these events that surrounded that so, so when you're composing in a movie i'm just kind of curious is how many times do you watch the movie or the scene before you like okay this is what i want to put to this okay. you know what i mean okay um how many times you watch it you watch it 24 7 but 24 7 you'll say how long how many days yeah, yeah. how many weeks how many months as much time as you have. Last of the Mohegans, a couple of weeks. Easiest job I ever had with the toughest director <laughs> in the world, Michael Mann. That's another story. But the point is, I came in late. It was a crazy situation. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody wanted a soundtrack. And I said at the last minute, you know, after we got another movie that people, that it's, a, it's historical, it's long. Nobody's in it. Daniel Day-Lewis had never been in any picture that had any kind of audience. Yes, he won an Oscar for a great film called My Left Foot, but he hadn't been in something. So it was almost like it's unknowns. Madeline Stowe, the lead who was fantastic, the lead, uh, his, you know, the love interest, she was not. So anyway, it was kind of considered a sort of disaster. It was in a Bond 
completion bond company. Uh, and by the time I got in there, Kenny won't even get into that situation. Now it's kind of a well-known thing because I put together the soundtrack that nobody wanted with my cues and the other composer's cues. And it's the biggest selling soundtrack right. without a song on of like, it still sells every, every day. You know, it's just yeah. like, like, um, I'm, I'm trying to think why I'm even mentioning that. Uh, I forgot how, what you, you must have asked me. What well, just how long, you how much time you oh, spent, right? Okay. Yeah. Time. That was yeah. basically people yeah. would say, oh my God, Michael Mann and blah, blah, blah. Well, it was pretty straight ahead. Why? Because I didn't have any time. Right. And sometimes, and it was a drama. A, a drama usually dictates what you're writing to a scene. It's pretty, you know, it's ominous, it's romantic, it's, well, some of these, com well, I, I became the comedy king at a certain period, you know, right. the, those are, that's much harder. What, where does the music go? What is it doing? Is it funny? Well, no, that doesn't. If if Eddie Murphy isn't funny in this, or Jim Carrey in The Mask, or Joe Pesci and Mike Cousin the picture's not going to work. Right. They don't need me being funny writing music. They don't need music at all. I just talked about this with my new score to Ghostbusters 2. I mean, that my old score that's finally coming out, that those guys, their, their uh, uh, character and their whole attitude was established in the first movie and they didn't need music even though it's like not it's wall-to-wall -wall music the score of ghostbusters 2 but it didn't need it what needed music was the story about what was going on in new york mm -hmm. and the menace and the horrible carpathian monster and the supernatural quality of the inventiveness of these four or five pals that's what needed music but not all these guys yeah, so human. what i'm saying yeah. is that that and and that takes thought much more thought uh dramas either pictures you consider oh this is really a good movie or something those things a lot of times not all the times but it's not that they don't take thought but usually the where where the part of the movie the cues that the movie needs musical support, pretty much the emotion and passion of whatever that scene needs musically kind of is dictates itself. And you don't look at it and go, duh, what am I going to do here? Or does this need music? Sort of obvious where those things go. Um, so, but so to answer your, to get back to your question, uh, it depends how much time you have, but basically yes, you sit and you watch you watch the picture from the beginning and uh you you watch every frame of the picture yeah, yeah. and you decide where the you and the director and their uh, something called a temp score i forgot if we discussed this we did we uh, briefly about oh, the temp score yeah yeah so that so and you have as long as you have if you have a couple of months which you never do and but and to be honest with you i like to be thrown into the fire Sure. The less time, the less they're going to screw with you. The guy's not going to be at the door every day or twice a day, maybe only yeah. once. And basically, you have time to sit right where I'm sitting, sitting back in my little bunker back here, 
And guess what I can do? I can watch the picture and think. Now, you've got to come up with your stuff literally right away or you can't do this kind of work sure you you so you have to come up right away with it but you kind of play around with it and sometimes you make changes the next day but you better have that cue written the day before and then you can look at it and you can pick at it and say it should start later i need to change the mood in bar 54 now of course with computers and everything, it's totally different than when these brilliant people wrote movie music all those years ago. They didn't have this. What they have? Nothing. They had a click and a piano yeah. before they went in front of a full orchestra. And um, so now it's a bit easier. You just lock your picture, and it's never, you can't be wrong. Once you've locked that cue and set your tempo, it's going to be right. Not 99, it's going to write 100% of the time, unless they cut their picture. Sure. But, sure. yeah, there's ways, so you, you kind of get around that. And uh, But the, the answer to your question is um, you you just look at it as much as you can. You sure. What it is, is as long as you have and you're on that picture, you're li I'm living the picture. If it's a period thing, it takes place in the 17th century. I'm living. If it's an Eddie Murphy film, I'm. That's what it is. You're living the picture, the characters. There's not one second that goes by whether you're out to dinner, which you don't go out much, uh, or sleeping, or eating, or uh, or walking around outside trying to get away from it. That it's not completely. That's what this work is. You're completely focused, consumed by it. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's completely consuming, and that's the only way that you can get this work done. And when you look back at stuff and you go, "Holy shit!" Does I how how do how you do it? Is you were consumed twenty four seven all day for six weeks, three months, whatever it was, and they're all the same. It's a tremendous amount of work. It's not just inspiration. It's a combination of things. And with this, I, mean, I don't remember what we talked about, but with do, doing what a film composer does, you have to be fast and you have to be right. Yeah. You can't be slow and be right. And you can't be fast and be wrong. You got to be right and you got to be fast. And therein is, that's the, everybody has to be that way. And if, it, if you're not that, it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And you get, and people find out very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Sure. You're not. No, yeah. There's no. There's no hiding with this stuff. You can't hide. You know, the, the you can't run. You know, you can't. There's no bullshitting this. You're you're in. You have a certain amount of time. It's political pressure. Blah blah blah. You got to somehow figure out how to lock yourself in that room alone and watch the thing. And when they're not here. You don't come up with the stuff when these people are sit when the director is sitting over my shoulder. You come up with it when nobody's here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, you know, you get no matter. And even though in the end, it's their baby, you give it to them, and they do the film mix, which completely changes everything. They don't have to use the music where it went. They don't have to play the music. They don't have to play it loudly enough to be heard. They can completely change it. Uh, so you always hope that the movie ends up sort of the way it was planned and that you have a couple of those great moments 
that your score lives in a movie. And as long as you have the, when it'd be three or four out of 50 or 60 cues, then that's, that's a victory. Still that's one of my favorite film scores was the mask. So uh, it's a very memorable film score. And I've listened to it many times. Like what, how did you get involved with that project? Because you did not, I know nobody saw this one blowing up the way it did. Well, no, no, no. nobody blew up because they didn't know the guy. Now it says, yeah. well, here's, here's a story, another story. Uh, I mean, these stories, I, I don't remember all of them exactly, but I do because I remember. Okay. The Mask. A again, a little picture made by guess who? Now, did I do? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think, Tommy. New Line made The Mask. Okay. Uh, no budget. We spotted the movie in a terrible motel room in Burbank. That's why it's okay. Did we spot it? No, we spotted it. Now, I was called to that picture because uh, they wanted somebody to do it. He couldn't do it. So I think that was the start. <laughs> then they come to me. Again, I'm coming to you. Blah, blah, blah. No money. That's always okay. You don't do this. You know, everybody. I ended up. But that's that's not the real okay. There's no money. That always means well, there's no money to in the budget to do. Forget about if I get a penny or not to do it. It means that you don't have the flexibility. If there's no money, you have to figure out a way to do it. What's the way? It's always okay. You do it, you're gonna do it with a small group or totally yourself or whatever. But that's okay. But I didn't know anything about it. I knew one thing about it that I didn't like, which had to do with something else, which I can't get into on the air here. With somebody involved in it. Um, so they called me about it. I'm sitting there. I had leased a house. Uh, I had sold my house for some reason. And I leased a house. And I'm, I'm sitting up there. And my kid, who's like six, I'd say, or seven at the time, somehow I mentioned something, and he goes, "Dad, you gotta, you gotta do this movie. Why? Well, you know that show that I watch? No, I'm never in this kid's room. He's watching a TV show all the time that he loves, but I never heard about it. It was called In Living Color. <laughs> okay, I never heard of it. Didn't know it." But there was one white guy in there who was funny. His name was Jim Carrey. So he obviously now was out there in the world. And things obviously were coming together in a big way. He had made this movie and he had made another movie. So when Noah came to me, he said, tell, he says, you guys, this guy is brilliant. Maybe he's at six years old, even he's brilliant. He said, this is, you got to do this. This is cooler than cool. Uh, also at that time, I was very, uh, cognizant that I was trying to get away from doing comedies. I was happy elated to be doing what I was doing, but I was trying to move the, steer the ship a little. Uh, so if a comedy came up, I, ha I was hard pressed. And if a comedy came up and they said, we don't have any money, you know, <laughs> that, that was maybe, okay. It just turned out that he had this movie that was opening. 
So Noah said, okay, we went down to Grauman's Chinese and we saw a movie that had just come out called Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> and of course, it was like, wow, this guy is just great. You know what I mean? This guy's a, a, a when I see, this guy's a brilliant talent. Let's put it that way. Okay. So I see the movie. Obviously, the movie was, it was, it had just come out. But you knew this thing was going to be a monster hit. That the re but the big thing is this guy. So the next day I get back, I call in the morning and I say, send over something from this film, The Mask. It may have had a different title at the time. So they send over the scene, an odd scene. I said, just send over anything of this guy. And it's the scene where he's got the mask on and he's doing that imitation of sally fields you love me you you know where she won the oscar and she did that speech yeah I, well that was in the mask he did some shtick after he sang that song any and i saw it like <laughs> forget it you know uh so i called that day and said i'm in i'm in for nothing i'll pay for it I'll, you know i'm in uh so that's the story of how I got involved with it. So we spotted the movie in this little motel. Now, obviously, the Ace Ventura thing becomes a hit. So by the time I'm scoring the mask, we didn't have a lot of time. Um, it suddenly, from a little picture, became the hot news. Really hot because of this guy. So at the, at the beginning, they had said, okay... We're going to give you $10 to do this. It's a package. Here's your $10. I decided, okay, they gave me $10, non-union, which I didn't like doing, but I wasn't going to be doing it here or in New York or couldn't afford to do it in London. So I can do, now I had been experienced with doing some stuff, you know, different stuff, non-union stuff, even though I didn't like doing it. So I could basically I considered, you know what? You can do whatever you you can go wherever you want. It you got ten dollars, it's in your pocket. Go go wherever you want. So now in this picture, now by the time I was ready to score it, this thing was gonna be the picture of the summer. I mean, it was already mm -hmm. you know, like hot, hot, hot. And what do I do? I stroll off to Ireland. And I recorded it with the Irish Opera Orchestra. That's awesome. And now the new line, they're calling me, well, you can't do that. What do you mean? I can go as long as I do it for the $10. And it's not, it's non, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I can go wherever I want. So I, I just, they, they were freaking out. Now, by that time, they probably would have said, okay, you know, well, they would have thrown money at it. Already at the time, they were throwing money at better effects you know that it yeah, changed yeah. but luckily because it was a great experience i went off to ireland uh where elmer bernstein connections all over the place he did the brilliant first score to ghostbusters as as of course doing the you know uh the magnificent seven the man with the golden arm and uh, uh, what's the great film that was just on Broadway? You know, the South, the courtroom thing. You know, come on. Mm -hmm. What's the 
biggest civil war in the South. It's huge. It's just on Broadway. I'll think of it in a second. Anyway, uh, anyway. So the Elmer Bernstein little connection. He told me, and by the way, he did my left foot in Ireland for that same reason. So he had told me about it, and that's why I went over there. So I go off to Ireland to do this score, and oh, to kill a mockingbird. That's the okay. brilliant, brilliant movie and brilliant score. One other of a million scores that Elmer did. Uh, so I go off, and there I am. I did my stuff that I do here, the kind of hipper stuff. And I go off, and we do the score uh, in Ireland, and comes back here and like, boom, you know. But that's the story, and that's why, and people, they can't believe that music was done. And if you listen to that, which you say that you have, and I believe you, Jason, that's an example of what I said. You listen to comedies, that's a very serious score. It's a discordant, dark. There's a few things that are fun and big romantic stuff that I went for at the end of the muse um, with the movie where he throws the mask into the water and it's romantic. But for the most part, it's kind of a, uh, odd score. That's more like, a, a, a for black Beetlejuice or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's more like that. It's not, there's very, there's no music, uh, that's funny music and the most serious music, which I could never believe. So the, the, um, the mask opened, the opening of the mask is the, uh, uh, the, the guys in the 17th century sailors for these guys from Nor Norwegian, whatever they're called, they bury this mask. It's a long thing. And it shows them burying a mask in the 17th century. Then you cut to black, and all of a sudden, we're in Edge City or wherever that took place, and this guy's working in a bank. Well, guess what? They had screenings, and they showed the beginning, which was phenomenal. And my music was like, it was the best music that I wrote for it. And the theme and all my feelings of my score come out of that opening. So they showed the picture. And all the kids sat there, and they didn't get it. Okay? So I remember saying, well, they got it after they saw the nerd working in the bank when Cameron, what's-her-name, makes her screen debut and walks in with her fake boobs and everything into the <laughs> bank with that great, with that wild music I wrote with that wailing saxophone recorded in Ireland, which is like, it's the most American kind of thing. Well, I remember saying, well, what are they going to do? Guess what they did? Gone. The whole impetus for that film, the mask, what it is, where the music came from, gone. The picture opens, and it opens with this guy working at a bank. And that's what it was. Now, they cut to a little thing where somebody... Oh, they die, dives under the water of a bridge. Yeah. But it has nothing to do, and that's where I introduce or they introduce my odd theme. <laughs> Whatever. It's like an <laughs> odd theme. Well, when I was doing my concerts, I remember it. Now I always forget it. Anyway, but... 
The point is, you never can tell. They they chopped. It's gone. There is no beginning of that movie. The beginning is you say, oh, yeah, there's a beginning. It's what you see. Yeah. But it ha it's like, how are they going to explain where the mask, the whole history of this mask that a guy puts on his face and he jumps? They never did. And that's what's so that that's that little mask story. That's a little bit about where it was done and what happened. And I was sick. But if you listen to my soundtrack, there it is. Cut one. The origin of the mask. That whole four or five minute uh, segment, you know, with those those guys discovering this mask and burying it. Uh, so, you know, oh, every one of these things has a, has an odd uh, story, you know, yeah. of shit that happened. And it happens because these movies take so long to make. Not, I'm not talking about the shooting of them. That's the end. It could be, it's a 15 year story like that. I'm sure that has a, that was a comic book or something. The mask, right? It was a, I don't know. I'm not into that, but mm -hmm. it was a Marvel or it was some kind of, it was a guy. It was the guy called the mask. So um, the, there's a long story about it. And then the movie happens or doesn't happen. Hopefully that's the successful end of a, a history of somebody having a subject matter, whether it's a novel or a comic book or whatever it is. And they, so that's the, that was my story, it, which in, in, entails I, a, a lot of different stuff to that quote little movie. And of course it went on to be a, a monster and a classic. And it's, and, and all the, by the way, the good news about not only this, because, but what we were saying before about Eddie Murphy's picture, uh, Cable television came into its own. Cable television was around years before it ever became anything. I used to pay a guy 50 bucks and he'd go up the telephone pole and stick it in for me. It's called the, 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 Z, the Z channel. So I wouldn't pay. I'd give him 50 bucks. He'd stick something up. But it was years later that, that they could afford to buy content. And what did they want? Everybody wanted the same thing. Hollywood star-driven pictures to be able to program. And then things came around like The Sopranos on HBO. And when I did Gettysburg originally for a little company called TNT that was part of Turner's thing, it was like, what? TNT? Well, I'm not going to do that. Um, so what, what I'm saying is as a result of that, people saw composers especially really quietly profited in a big way mm. because if you did a certain kind of movie it didn't matter if it didn't it it would be great if it did business but it was still going to be seen like distinguished gentlemen for a while there was on every day all day and every kind you know so uh you get that that thing and the nice thing now is that people can go all they got to do is if they like a certain picture one punch in the movie YouTube, Randy Edelman, and you will get uh, the score, mm -hmm. and you can listen to it. You don't have to buy a record. Or, it's kind of cool. I only discovered that in the scheme of things recently because it's like, holy shit. You can, whatever you want to hear. You want to hear something for the mask? Put it in there. You may not, they may not have every cut from the thing, but they have lots of music, and you can certainly get what, whatever it is, and it's great. You can hear it. You don't have to go out and buy anything. And hopefully you, you can 
see the movie, which you can in other ways on on any one of these cable stations or streaming. Right. But yeah. the fact that you could just you like the music to something and you can press a button is kind of it still is remarkable to me. You know, people used to they wanted to first of all, there were no soundtrack albums to anything but like the biggest movies. It was James Bond or uh, you know, Moon River or something. Yeah, somebody would but most of the time there were no soundtrack albums and that became a thing and there was a niche and all that. And now you don't even have to get it, which is if you want it, yeah, you can get the soundtrack album, but you can hear it right on your device anytime you want. So that's kind of, it's to me, that's cool. Whether we're being, you know, it's being tracked or compensated or streamed, that's another matter. Right. The fact that if people like something, they can get it right away, literally in a second, is to yeah, me, availability is that, that's a turn on to me that somebody yeah. can like something of mine and I can like something of somebody else's and I can basically, boom, if you, uh, I've watched at three in the morning, I see a movie I haven't seen. I'm, who wrote that music? What was that? And I punch in the thing. And not only do I see you wrote it, I can hear it. And then I hear it and I say, wow, that is great. And, you know, once in a great while, I send off an email to somebody. And they're like, what? That was 12 years ago. Nobody ever saw that movie. And then they get a thing from me. And then, then the next day I get like, oh, that, you know. That's great. Yeah. Because I like getting that kind of stuff myself. So, you know, the different. I want to thank you so much for talking to us twice. Uh, we could talk talk to you for another hour. Movies. No, it's, no we're board. going. You know why? Was it five o'clock? I'm going. Great to see you geeks again. <laughs> yeah, always, Randy. You got the song. You got That's the stories. It. Yeah. I'll see you next time or next year. All right, buddy. Thanks, Jason. Thank and you so much. Thanks, Have care. a great evening. You too. Okay. Everybody check out Randy's single. It is called Coming Out the Other Side. It's fantastic. I will share the link, and I'll put all the links in the description of this video so you guys can check out the song and check out more of Randy's work because every one of the scores he's done, I own all of those movies on Blu-ray, and oh, I man. think he is fantastic. Thank so Thanks, check guys. it out. Take Thanks, care. Stay safe. See ya. See ya. And from Justin and myself, everybody, you guys have a great night. See ya.